Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Love God, love people. Say love God, love people. And Jesus shows us this truth of the statement here in Matthew uh, 22. I want to start right here. Matthew 22 says, uh, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. It's the same. Love your neighbor as yourself, and then I love this verse, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, if you get this one right, you get it all right. Love that. Everything hinges on this commandment. Now, look at verse 29 again, because this will be our focus of the message today. Matthew uh, 39, I'm sorry, verse 39, Matthew 22, 39. A second is equally, say equally important, It's the same as loving God. Love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. I think Emily did a tremendous job last week showing us how to love people, amen? If you missed it, please take a listen. Um, We've been given orders by our commander-in-chief, God, to love people, including ourselves, including ourselves, Jesus could have left that out, by the way. He could have said, you know, the only thing that matters is loving God and loving your neighbor, right? He could have said that. But he adds you and me to the most important commandment. This is a critical moment. In order to fulfill the greatest commandment, loving self has to happen. Listen, loving self has to happen. But people either miss it or disregard it. It's kind of like the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some might say, hey, I'm good with God. I'm good with Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, I'm not going there. See, it only works with all three. (laughs) It only works with all three, right? And the same thing happens with the greatest commandment. It only works with all three. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. It only works that way. So this two-letter word, as, love, love, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, it has uh, more meaning than you know. It means this, in the same degree, way, or manner, in direct proportion to, in other words, I will love people in the same way I love myself. I'll, I'll say it that simple. I will love people in the same way that I love myself. You know, this kind of message seems a bit self-centered or potentially narcissistic. I get it. But remember, this is Jesus essentially, or he is commanding us. He's commanding us to love ourselves. Think about that. I love this verse, Proverbs 19, verse 8. To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. Did you hear that? To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. Yourself. If you want some wisdom, then start learning how to love yourself. And by the way, no one can help you love you more than God Himself. No one can help you with that more than God. 
He'll teach you. He will lead you when you let him, when I let him. If you think about it, there really is only one person that I am to steward well throughout my life, me. You know that? And you are to steward you. You know, we're, uh, we are um, empty nesters. It's weird. It's different, you know, but it's cool, but it's different. It's sad sometimes, but it, because the, the kids are out of the house. But um, I've realized that, um, you know, I did the best I could to, to, to raise them up so they could, they could move on. But um, I'm realizing that it's their job to steward them. Now, I was my responsibility to help raise them, but now they're, they're on their own. And, and now they, they, have to, they have to steward themselves. I have to steward me. I have to learn how to love me throughout my life. And so I see that it's really difficult to love God and people if I can't love myself. It's really difficult. Let me show you what Paul says in Ephesians 5 to, to back that statement up. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now think about what Jesus did for men. To make her, he died for the church. He gave his life up for the body, us, to make us holy, cleansing us by the washing with water through the word, to present us, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. Now here's verse 28. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as, say as, their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Do you hear that? After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. The Passion Translation reads this way in the same verse in 28. It says, husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their, for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. No, I'm not here to, to, to create quarrels in a marriage right now. I'm not here to say, well, doggone it, you better start loving me that way. Listen, it goes, they, they both, there has to be a mutual agreement between the two, husband and wife, right? The, the, the wife needs, needs to bring some, some value and honor and respect to the husband, but the, the husband's job first is to love, is, to, is, to, uh, is to, to love the wife, but he can't love her unless he loves himself. Do you get that? See, we don't hear this question very often. Do you love yourself? Maybe our, our initial response would be, oh yeah, I put myself first way too often and uh, I have to ask God to help me be more selfless. But that's not what is being asked. The question isn't, are you selfish? Because we are all selfish at times. The question is, do you love yourself? Do you love yourself? Uh, That's the question Jesus wants to answer today. Maybe we can ask it this way. Do you value yourself? Do you take delight in you? Do you celebrate you? That's even a bigger, do you celebrate you? Do you view yourself the way God views you? And if many people were honest, the short answer would be no or not much. 
Like I've said before, we have the odds stacked against us. We live in a fallen, broken world that can throw us many curveballs at various times. We live with fallen, broken people who make mistakes and can be hurtful at times. We live in a world system that is actually heavily influenced by our spiritual enemy, the devil. And if that's not enough, we've got ourselves to battle against. Can you relate? Do you ever find yourself picking apart your own flaws, feeling inadequate, or letting your negative self-talk take over? If that's happening in you or me, that's happening through you, by the way. God bless all of us, because we've been there. We find ourselves throwing stones. We, you know, I love it that Jesus said, hey, uh, you know, don't judge. You know, take the plank out of your own eye before you move the speck from somebody else's eye, right? We've all had plank eye syndrome at times, right? <laughs> oh man, I, I didn't realize I was judging. I didn't realize I was being so critical. I didn't realize I was putting such high expectations on the other person. But it's because that's living in me. That's, there's something in me that needs to change. I need to learn how to love myself. I've battled my whole life with feeling less than. That's, that's the word I'm looking for, less than. Feeling like, man, I, was, I just don't measure up. Don't measure up. But I will tell you something. I've gotten so much better over the years. I have, I have learned some things over these years to get me to the point that I, where I'm at now. Just very, very insecure, even when I first became a Christian. Very insecure. But, but God, throughout my life, washed me with the word. He loved on me. He, he led me to love, and he, and he made me uh, more whole, each time I came to him, more healed. Just learning how to love myself. By the way, it's a commandment. Remember. Now realize it's not a suggestion. Now realize that Jesus has to be the center of this truth. Because if, if you don't miss that moment, you're going to think I'm just Dr. Phil today. Which there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. But, but Jesus must be the center of this message today. When I redirect my eyes on what God says, letting him determine my value, then my focus changes, my perspective changes, and my heart changes. Because while we, have, while we see ourselves one way, God sees us another, the right way as his loved, adored, beautiful children chosen by him in his eyes absolutely enough. Say amen to that. Do I need to say that again? You are absolutely enough in his eyes. While we never will be perfect on this side of heaven, we are perfectly made in his image for his purpose on his side. So let's learn how to love ourselves. And as we do that, God will bring healing to areas that have been previously ruled by shame, condemnation, negative self-worth, fear, and security. Listen, God is here today. Jesus is in the midst because he wants to free you and I from that today. Don't make me go T.D. Jakes on you or Billy Graham, or whoever. <clears throat> See, 
I've tried so hard at times to be a good person. Maybe you have. I've tried so hard to do the right thing, to love God and people, but there are times that I fall short. Sometimes I get impatient. Sometimes I worry. And I've noticed that when, when I struggle to love God and people, I'm actually struggling with myself. And I discover that I have fallen into what I call performance mode. A performance-based relationship with God, trying to love God and people and myself in my own strength. And I believe churches, in my opinion, have at times and too many times fueled that fire. <clears throat> we, we, we teach if you do this, then God will love you. If you act the right way, then that proves that you love God. Now listen, right actions are good, but they should be an overflow of having a right relationship with God and learning to love self. So many people, I, I love this phrase, so many people live by this phrase, be holy as I'm holy, right? Jesus, Jesus said, hey, be, be holy as I'm holy, right? I thought Emily said it so well last night when, when Jesus said, be perfect as I'm perfect, means, means we're not perfect in the natural. We're just more well-rounded, right? We are walking through life becoming more well-rounded. When I first gave my heart to Jesus, it was like a roller coaster ride, emotional up and down. But now as time passes, I'm a little more well-rounded. And I'm sure in the next five years, a little more well-rounded. But, but, but the Bible says, be holy, right? <clears throat> Jesus, as, as I am holy. Now, out of that verse, a holiness movement started. I don't know if you, if you heard about that. It was a holiness movement. It was people trying to look the part. They were, they were, they were doing things that were good, but they were doing it for the wrong reasons, I believe. Not everyone. They kind of got stuck in performance mode. I'll say this. You, you don't have to take everything in the Bible literally. There's a spiritual meaning behind it usually, right? Like you don't have to cut your hand off if it sins. I don't, I don't, Bible says that. Don't, don't do that. Don't gouge your eye out if, if, right? Don't, don't do that. You know, they were taking that literally back in the day because they were trying to perform. They, they, they were trying to, oh my goodness, I gotta be holy as God. Oh, you know, it's like, man, you didn't get, you're missing the point. Be holy as I am holy. And so we think God is commanding us, even demanding us to make ourselves appear to be holy or separate, to look the part. But the truth of this word is found in the root meaning. And this is what I wanna bring to you just for a moment. The root of that word is thalo. Say thalo. You know what the root word of holy or thallow, you know what it means? It means tender or warm. It changes the whole meaning of that scripture, be holy as I am holy. It means be thallow, be warm, be tender. We are to be thallow as he is thallow, tender as he is tender. This will help you love yourself to be tender towards God and receive his tenderness and be tender towards people and be tender towards yourself. Thallow, say thallow. See, you can be thallow or you can be shallow. <clears throat> thallow, tender, is one of the most obvious characteristics of a person who's being changed by the Holy Spirit. Tenderness. There's a warmth about them. And probably because, listen, they've been tenderized. 
They've been through trials and tests and battles and sufferings, but they've stayed broken and tender with God. But if you fall into the trap of performing for God, it will only lead to more frustration. Right? God does not call us to perform for him. Right? We're not circus animals. We're children of God. And the only thing God's called us to is to have a right relationship with him, to love God in that right relationship, to love people with a right relationship, and to love ourselves in right relationship. That's all he's called us to do. Have you ever met any mean church people? I'm sure I was at one point in time. I remember, I remember, uh, and again, I, I, I'm careful to say that. We, we all have bad days. But I, I think some people live way too long in it, you know. Uh, sometimes if we live too long in, in, in our frustration and, and our judgment and our, 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 our religious works, our performance for God, I guarantee you, you'll become frustrated. It'll look like you drank a glass of lemonade and put sauerkraut in it at the same time and you drank it all day long. That, that's what'll happen. I remember the first time I, I had my, my first communion. I wasn't a Christian. I never went to church, but, but I, I slept over at a friend's house. I was probably, oh, I was probably 15 years old. And, and if you sleep over his house, you have to go to church the next day. You have to go to church. I'm like, yeah, I'll go to church. Sweet. We stayed out till about three in the morning, snuck out, got up at like uh, seven to go to church. And I remember I went to church that day and remember, I, don't, I may have gone to church maybe a couple times my whole life before that. And, uh, and they had communion that day. And, and I remember, uh, I'd never seen that before. I've never seen that before. And by the way, when, when it's like eight, nine in the morning and you haven't eaten breakfast yet, I'm hungry. So what do you think a 15-year-old boy has never seen? All of a sudden, they pass out a really, really fresh piece of bread. I mean, this, is, this isn't a cracker. This is like somebody got up that morning and made a bunch of loaves of bread. And, 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 and it got to this big dish full of bread. I just wish there was some butter, but there was bread. And I, and I, I didn't know what was going on. They handed me the bread. I thought it was a morning snack. And as soon as I got it, I put it in my mouth. And as soon as I put it in my mouth, my friend went, oh, no, he didn't. And then he looked over at his mom, and she gave me the, 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 the most interesting look I've ever seen in church. I thought, I'm in church. Shouldn't she be smiling? Oh, she was madder than a hornet. She thought I was doing something. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I just, I just was hungry. I thought they were passing out little, seriously, there were little treats before, before the message started. That's what I thought. But, but, but I'll never forget that look as long as I live. I thought, I'm not sure if I want to go back to church. See, if you find yourself being angry, bitter, and frustrated on a regular basis, you're probably stiff-arming the Holy Spirit. He wants to make you tender. He wants to make me tender. He wants to get into my heart and find the area of brokenness that, that is really precious to God. Anytime I see a, a man tear up, I just go, woo, it's awesome. You see a man tear up, I'm like, man. Now, in our day and age in the world, nuh-uh. If the world sees you cry, there's something wrong with you. But when God sees you cry, there's something right with you. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. Just let him make you tender again. Let him love you again. Let him teach you how to love yourself. Um, I'm sure there are times when, Emily, you want to mute me, but no, no. The idea of making, listen, the idea of making performance-based, religious-looking disciples has got to stop. I say that all, if anybody hears this, it has got to stop. We have too many people being herded like cattle into the performance pen. And they are being driven by fear instead of being led by love. And again, we have a choice to be fallow, tender, or shallow. Sometimes I think we're telling people that being a Christian is hard or overwhelming when Jesus said it's light and easy. Come on. Now, we will go through tough things in life. If, if you've lived any time, you will find out that, that there are trials and tribulations, like we, like, like we sang, uh, in the valley or on the mountaintop, Christ is enough. That's just, that's just life, isn't it? I don't like it. I don't like it when I go through trials and tribulations. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome it. Be of good cheer. I can do something in your life through it. I can make your life tender through it. I think breaking away from performance-based relationship is so important for the world we live in right now. And I think when we slow down, simplify, when we choose to trust God, we position ourselves to get close and receive his love, turn and learn to love ourselves. And I believe that's when fallow happens. That's when tender happens. And that's when the circle is complete. You start loving God, loving people, and you love yourself. And the fruit becomes clear Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, freedom. These are great advertisements for Jesus to the world. So if you want to love yourself, listen, as, we, as I finish, I want to give you just a couple things. If you want to love yourself, uh, you got to know yourself. Amen? You got to know yourself. Makes me think of the dude in, in, in school who liked to go out in the woods and camp all by himself. I forget his name, but this is what he said. He said, I like to get with my own thoughts to know myself. Now, I get it. I used to run from my own thoughts. It, it just, I just didn't want to go there. Too scary, too messy, too intimate. But I found that when you follow Jesus, he will bring you into situations when you or I are in over our heads. Did you know that? I'm not saying he's creating those situations, but he leads us through it, right? He leads us through the valley. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, listen, you're not gonna be there forever. You're gonna come out of it, right? This too shall pass. It will pass, my friends. All the stuff you see, it's gonna pass. It will. That's God's promise. But I found out that, listen, this is a really important moment because because. I think pressure brings out the real me. 
When times of pressure comes, comes it brings out the real mean. We can see this in the Bible that when you're, when you're in a situation where, it's, where it's, it's pressing on you, you're in over your head, I believe that's when the real you can emerge. That's when you can really know yourself. Not in a bad way, in a good way. See, it's actually in the fire, in the trial, that the real you emerges. By the way, this season we've been has proven that without a doubt. It has. Refining, testing. Jesus knew himself. He knew his own identity as the savior that the world needed. He knew his mission, his purpose. He wasn't confused about who he was, mainly because he knew whose he was. He was God's son and a son with a destiny to change the world. And there's something that you need to know about yourself that is needed for your world as well. Your mission, your purpose, your personality, your skills. Because to know yourself is to know your own identity. I, you, know, you know, this message right here, I, 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 don't, don't check out. But what I want to say is this message is actually really good for your kids as they grow up. Because we live in a world where social media is inundated with shallow. It's inundated with, with pictures that have been, that have filters. And, and I'm telling you, and that is not what we need to send, the message we need to send to our children. We need to let them know and say, hey, you, you can get to know yourself the way God wants you to know yourself. Knowing yourself means getting to know your personality, your values, your gifts and abilities, your hopes and dreams, the you God created. If you want to love yourself, you got to know yourself. See, I like to teach. I never knew I liked to teach, but it's how God made me. Now, you might be pastoral, you might be evangelist, you might be a business leader, you might be called to politics, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a musician. Ask God, ask others. Get the wisdom through getting to know yourself. People can live their whole lives and never really know who they really are. Because many times people are products of other people or certain circumstances. When God has called you for the specific purpose, you at a specific time, and you at a specific place in history, if you want to love you, you got to know yourself. Look at this verse in Psalm 77, 5 through 6. It's, it's a psalm written by um, Asaph. He was a disciple of David. But he's actually writing it for another dude who's struggling. He uh, says, uh, th I think of the good old days, long since ended. <laughs> you know, it's not going, starting out that way. When my nights were filled with joyful songs. And he says, I search my soul. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. I'm telling you right now, this, this is one, one area of a life. Learning to love yourself is to know yourself. He said, oh man, I'm going through a rough time. Guess what? I ponder my soul. Like I sit down with myself. Usually, usually when we go through tough times, we want to escape. I'm going to binge watch Lord of the Rings. Hey, great movie. But sometimes we're just escaping from really our own thoughts. Finding out, because the, now, now I, want, I want to show you something really cool. If you read this Psalm 77, it's powerful. 
Asaph really wrote it because he wanted to encourage another worship leader called Jeduthun. It's a big deal. Jeduthun was going through a difficult time. It looks like he was losing hope, even purpose. And then Asaph shows up and he writes this song inspired by God. And he, and he says, he says, hey, Jeduthun, hey, when I'm down, when I'm, when I, I, I search my own soul. And the cool thing about this, this Psalm 77 is when Jeduthun did that, he saw something remarkable happen. He says, I found God. I rediscovered purpose. That's what worship leaders do. They sing about the wonderful miracles of God. They sing about the greatness of God. Jeduthun lost his way, his purpose, but Asaph helped him get back up by taking a look inside. Sometimes we're just so afraid of looking inside. But here's what's going to happen. I promise you. Because sometimes you got to search your soul to know yourself. What I've noticed in life is that most people don't do this. They don't take a deeper look. And if they did, they would actually find something good, encouraging, and God-inspiring. They would not only discover more of God, but they would uncover more of themselves, how God created them, how God wired them, and that is what, and that's when things really take off. See, why wouldn't you, if you searched yourself, don't you think you'd find God? He made you, created you in his image. And when you know yourself, you can grow yourself meaning you won't be jack of all trades and master of none. You'll learn how to focus on your own strengths instead of fixating on your weaknesses. And I believe you'll in turn learn how to celebrate you. It's one thing that, that, I, that I, I, I know that we've grown in our marriage. We, we actually, you know, we're both competitive, strong-willed people. Emily's an only girl, so, you know, grew up with four other boys. I mean, you can imagine she had to press through a lot. And so when we used to get into these uh, disagreements, we would both dig our heels in. <laughs> and, um, but, but, but the reason for that is because we're competitive and, and, and I didn't learn how to celebrate her gifts. And I didn't learn how to celebrate my own gifts. And so when we were able to compartmentalize and see, wait a minute, I'm good in that area. You're good in that area. We began to celebrate and work as a team. Matter of fact, that's why God brought us here. He didn't bring just me. He brought us. Come on. He brought, he brought a couple, a partnership to show you that it can work. That's how it works. Celebrating each other's gifts. Not exposing weaknesses. Come on. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. The Bible says when you, when you seek love, you cover those faults. So if you want to love yourself, you got to know yourself. And if you want to love yourself, listen, you've got to accept yourself. And I'll go through these pretty quick. you got to accept yourself. Say accept yourself. you got to be good with you. And fight against what others or this world want you to be. Let me say it this way. It's not their job to like you. It's yours. It's not their job to like you. It's yours. That's it. Now realize that accepting yourself comes from having and keeping a vertical perspective, fixing your eyes on Jesus, but it also comes with not comparing yourself to others. Comparison will always leave you feeling less than or not enough. <clears throat> I mean, my roommates in college, 
They are some of the top lawyers in their state. They are CEOs of major corporations, some of the biggest ones around. Uh, they, are, they, are, they own multiple banks, very successful. I could have followed that path, by the way, but God had another path, ministry. And I always think, and I always think this, I always think, you know what? And again, I'm not, again, I'm not comparing, but I will say that if I can help lead someone to eternity, giving a person a loan is great. Helping them with a the business principle is awesome. But leading people to eternity with Jesus is the best. It's the best. But it's, but it's where I'm, I accept myself. I accept, you know, accept who you are, accept your lot, accept your place, accept your unique abilities or qualities, accept your, even your unique physical features. <clears throat> I've learned to love my nose, a little different. Look what the Bible says about accepting yourself. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 20 as we wrapping this up. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, hey, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God has placed every person just as he wanted them to be. <clears throat> Come on. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Here's some really good advice about accepting yourself. Galatians 6, where I love this verse. Pay careful attention to your own work. Say own work. <laughs> Come on. For then, when you do, you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. People get in trouble when they start looking in somebody else's backyard. Oh, your grass is better. Oh, your house is better. Oh, you have more stuff. Trouble. Trouble. Just look at your life and do what Paul said. Learn to be content. Learn to say, oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for where I'm at in life because I know where I used to be and I know where I'm at now and I'm so thankful. I accept myself right now where I'm at in this time of life. I don't have to be Pastor Dwayne. He's awesome. I don't have to be T.D. Jakes. I don't have to be these people. I just need to be me and accept that. Now, maybe you want me to be somebody else, but that's your problem. Here we go. Stay focused on who you are and what you bring to the table. Stay focused on who you are and what you bring to the table. Accept yourself. And if you want to love yourself, you got to be yourself. Say, be yourself. God doesn't ask me to be anyone else but me. Being yourself means living as the one-of-a-kind, God-designed person you are. Being yourself means allowing God to use you to fulfill his plans and purposes. It is allowing him to use you to love others in ways that only you are able to. Man, the pastors are really good at hugging people and making them feel comforted. The teachers are really good at teaching things in love. 
right? The evangelists are leading people to Jesus in love. Come on. The apostles are building things for, in love. Come on. We, the list goes on and on. Be you in love. I saw this really cool t-shirt on vacation. I had to tell Anna Lynn this. It said this. It said, be yourself, they'll adjust. <laughs> right? Come on. Be yourself, they'll adjust. <laughs> they'll adjust, right? I love that. That's biblical, by the way. David and Saul, read it for yourself. David, little David, in Saul's armor, David comes on the scene. Classic example of this truth. And, and Saul says, hey, but you're gonna go out there, man. You're gonna, get, you're gonna get ripped to shreds if you don't put my armor on. And so David tries it on, it doesn't fit. And as a 13-year-old, I can't believe that he went to the king and said, he said, hey, um, that's not, homie, don't play that. That's not me. I don't need all this fancy armor. I just need God, a slingshot, and a stone. That's how I roll. See, if you want to love yourself, you got to be yourself. Look how God made you in Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, God. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. See how God made you? That whole verse means God took his sweet, sweet, sweet time with you. He didn't just, you're not a platypus. I don't understand how God made the platypus. That, that thing's like five different, but it's cool. But when he, when he made you, he's like, oh, I love that about you. Oh, I, here's the hair I want, I want to have you. Here's your personality. Here's that, here, here, here's how I want you to look. Come on. God took his sweet, sweet time in making you. So don't be a poser. Don't try to be someone else that you're not. Just be you because you are the most anointed you. You are the most anointed you. I, being a worship leader, I used to uh, meet worship uh, singers all the time who want to be worship leaders. And, and I noticed that many of them would, would you know, they, would, they were trying to be Chris Tomlin. They were trying to be Carrie Job. They were trying to be Darlene Sheck. And I would try to say, hey, listen, man, they're great singers, but don't try to sound like them. Sound like you. And so I would try to help them sound like them. You know, don't, don't, don't try to reach certain notes that you can't reach right now. Just be you. Because we are God's masterpiece, one of a kind. I've noticed that an artist, a musician, when they talk about that one painting, that one sculpture, that one great song, it's like they gave the right hand to produce it, right? God gave his one and only son for you and I to know his passion and love for each of us and to send you a message saying you are a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. So if you want to love yourself, you got to be yourself. And lastly, if you want to love yourself, listen, I love this one. You got to smother yourself. Now, let me explain this. This is very, very important. Say smother yourself. In the field of clinical psychology, it is commonly known that one of the most effective ways to erase negative, destructive thought patterns is by smothering them. 
In other words, if you think yourself is bad, then smother yourself as good. <clears throat> you know what I said this morning? Because I had to practice what I preached. I was in the mirror and I was getting ready. I don't take this the wrong way. I said, Emily, you married a very handsome husband. Because obviously I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking, I'm not sure if I like that this morning. But I said, mm, no, no, no. You've married, you've married a very handsome woman, husband. She goes, you're right. <laughs> you know? But what I was doing, I was smothering myself because I had some thoughts going through my mind. I saw some extra wrinkles. I saw some, some more hairs leaving me. I, I, I started seeing something natural. I said, no, 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 you're handsome. One person says this, love yourself so much that when somebody treats you wrong, you recognize it. Love yourself so much that when someone treats you wrong, you recognize it. Oh, that wasn't love. That's not love. See, you might have bitten into a rotten apple. You might have made a few mistakes and then some. Smother yourself. You're not a bad apple. As a matter of fact, you are the apple of God's eye. Psalm 17, verse 8. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Think about that. He's got his eye on you to love you, not to judge you. So smother yourself. Isn't that what the father did to the prodigal son? As we started this message series, the very first week we talked about the prodigal son. Isn't that what he did? The son was dirty and filled with shame. He had probably aged quicker than normal from his personal mistakes. He wasn't someone that you would necessarily run to and smother with love. You may have wanted him to go clean up, take a shower first. But the father ran to the son and smothered him with love. And in that moment, I believe the son was instantly loved, instantly forgiven, and he instantly forgot his past, his faults, his mistakes, because he was smothered. See, if you want to love yourself, you got to smother yourself. I believe with all my heart. You got to wake up and say, I am cherished, I am forgiven, I am wonderfully made, I am loved, therefore I love myself. So smother yourself and remember, this is how God sees you. Song of Solomon. Oh yeah, we're going to Song of Solomon 4-7. <clears throat> I'm talking to the men and the women here. You are all together beautiful, my darling. Beautiful in every way. <laughs> Guys are like, what? I'm a darling? Yeah, you're a darling. You are a darling. He, this is really a love message to God's church what it is. You read Song of Solomon, think about God sending a message to us. He loves us so much. <clears throat> he, he, he loves you. The, the one, you're the one he loves passionately, so smother yourself. And as you love God and learn to love yourself, and as you let God love you and learn to love yourself, you'll naturally love God, love people, and you. And I believe that you will change the world around you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, God, for just this series. I pray, God, that this message goes deep down into our heart and, and, it, and it changes our mind, God, because that's how we're changed. We're changed by the renovation or transformed by the renewing of our mind, God. So I pray, God, that, that, that when, we, when we go into the next year, I think even and beyond, God, that we think about 
loving God, loving people, and loving ourselves, God. And I pray that we do not take out any of those three, but they work seamlessly together, God. And, as, and I realize, Lord, there's no way that any of us can love without first receiving the love of the Father, without first being born again, receiving the love of Jesus, the very message that's sent through the cross that says, I died for you. There's no way you could have done this, but I did it. And it's okay, Jesus, I love that you did it. Thank you. And I thank you, God, that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to start a love relationship with God today, it comes through Jesus. I want to lead you to a very simple prayer. It's very simple. And it's really just a phrase, but I think it's when it's prayed from the heart. And if you really want God, you really want to know the love of God, the Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a simple prayer that goes like this. Would you pray it with me here and online? Would you just say this from your heart? Jesus, come into my heart. Make me fallow. Make me tender. I'm yours. You're mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Woo. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.